The Overseas Community Affairs Council is encouraging overseas journalists to report on the contributions Taiwanese have made to the world, so that the world can see Taiwan. The OCAC is launching the Chinese Language Journalism Award for Overseas Media. Journalists can compete for two awards: the Print and Digital Report Award and the Broadcast Report Award. Entries that showcase in-depth professional reporting have the chance to win two thousand five hundred U.S. dollars. The deadline is November thirtieth. Go to www.ocac.gov.tw for details. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. If you have any comments or suggestions about our programs, you can email us at rti@rti.org.tw. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? When Zhang Liying immigrated to Taiwan to marry her Taiwanese husband, her days as a Burmese flight attendant were over, and her days were now filled with caring for her growing family. It seemed that bringing up her children was the main thing life would have in store for her from then on. But she came to Taiwan at an interesting time for immigrants from Southeast Asia like herself. In recent years, Southeast Asians, whether immigrants, spouses, workers, or students, have taken to the spotlight. From the parents bringing up the next generation of Taiwanese children to the migrant workers who keep Taiwan running, people from the countries of Southeast Asia have shown how indispensable they are to Taiwan. The government, for its part, has made turning Taiwan's attention to our southern neighbors a matter of official policy too. Amid this shift in Taiwan society, Ms. Zhang unexpectedly found her new calling. She joins us today to talk about her work as an elementary school Burmese language teacher and her other job as a volunteer translator for the National Immigration Agency. She'll also share the hard work she's put in to raising her Taiwan-born children the Burmese way. One thing Ms. Zhang says we have to understand about the Burmese community here is that a large part of it has Taiwanese citizenship. To understand this, we have to understand that ethnic Chinese people have gotten around. They're the majority in Taiwan today, and they form sizable communities all over Southeast Asia too. Many of these Southeast Asians have relatives or friends here in Taiwan, and Taiwan technically considers a fair number of the Southeast Asians as sort of overseas citizens. So, when ethnic tensions have flared in Southeast Asia, and they have over the past few decades. Taiwan has been a favored place for ethnic Chinese from the region to resettle. Among the places where ethnic tensions have flared in the past few decades is Myanmar, or Burma, as it used to be called. And so, faced with anti-ethnic Chinese sentiment, many of these Burmese Chinese found the streets of suburban Taipei calling for them. Today, their numbers are centered in the Taipei suburb of Zhonghe, where there is even a so-called Burmese street. And their number around New Taipei alone numbers in the tens of thousands, according to Ms. Zhang. Ms. Zhang herself is third-generation ethnic Chinese Burmese, but her family was one of those who decided to stay behind. As we've already said, it was marriage to a Taiwanese person that brought her here. Ms. Zhang's relatives still remain in Myanmar today. 
It was a volunteering spirit that got Ms. Zhang onto her current path. Yes, she had kids to look after, but she said that she tends to get bored without anything else to do. So when she heard that the government was holding special classes for immigrants, she jumped at the opportunity to join in. Ms. Zhang says these classes came with much more than just a certificate of participation or something like that. Immigrants who completed the programs could actually help out in real ways. For instance, if you completed a special course on translating for the police, you could actually volunteer as a translator for the police, and real police departments would call you up when needed. The volunteering opportunity that drew Ms. Zhang, though, was at the National Immigration Agency. Ms. Zhang says that there are many students on scholarships here from Myanmar these days. Many who've just arrived speak no Chinese and very little English. They have trouble filling out forms or talking with immigration officers to get the paperwork they need done. So Ms. Zhang signed up for a translation course, got a certification, and still helps out regularly at a branch of the agency today, translating for those who need her Burmese language services. Her volunteering spirit has also given her a new career. It was her contacts with local schools, started with her eldest son, that began it all. She says that her eldest son's time in kindergarten was rough on them both. One day, her son asked her why she didn't stick around during the day like the other mothers. Ms. Zhang was curious why exactly the mothers of other kids were allowed in school during the day. And she was told that they were volunteers, reading the kids' stories and tucking them into bed for midday naps. Ms. Zhang signed up for this volunteering job too and has stuck with it since. And it was through this that she got wind of a special new program launched just last year. The government has decided to include Southeast Asian languages as foreign language electives for elementary school kids, especially kids with immigrant parents from Southeast Asia. The idea is to get the kids of these immigrants to retain their mother languages and hopefully one day build bridges between Taiwan and Southeast Asia. Meanwhile, kids without immigrant backgrounds also have an opportunity to look south and get a more international mindset. Well, needless to say, Ms. Zhang signed up to study for a certificate in order to teach Burmese through this program. These days, she's in three different schools. So far, her classes are small. And when I say small, I mean really small. At one school, she has two kids. At the other two schools, her classes are one-on-one, -on -one, and one of her students is one of her children. This doesn't, however, mean that Burmese is an unpopular choice. It's just that Ms. Zhang has been assigned to schools far away from Burmese Street, the part of the Taipei suburbs where two-thirds of the local Burmese community is. Some of her friends teach in areas where the language is more in demand. And she says that some of her friends even have students who do not have any Burmese background at all. Their Taiwan-born parents simply want their kids to have an extra language up their sleeve and to have a more international worldview than English alone can provide. Giving kids an extra language like this is a very nice idea, but many of you who had to study an extra language in school will quickly realize that there are limits to what the school system alone can do. These classes only take place once a week, and they're only 40 minutes long. 
In addition, teachers can only teach what's on the curriculum. The limits of this approach in creating competent speakers became obvious recently. Ms. Zhang was approached by a parent who planned to move the whole family back to Myanmar in the near future and worried about their kids' ability to cope with local schools, given that they were born here. This parent really wanted to get their kid into shape for the move to this unknown country. But Ms. Zhang said that this wasn't realistic. Not only does she have to follow a set curriculum, but there's no use shoving advanced stuff down kids' throats when they don't even know the basics. As far as her own children are concerned, these classes are just a little bit of an extra thing, something to help their language develop further. That's because Ms. Zhang herself has made sure to speak Burmese to them in the home since they were born. When the family video chats with Ms. Zhang's relatives back in Myanmar, the kids have no problem talking to them in Burmese. For a while, Ms. Zhang's mother in Myanmar was worried about this. She worried her grandchildren wouldn't pick up Chinese if they only heard Burmese, and that they would do poorly in school here as a result. But Ms. Zhang says that the kids' whole outside world is in nothing but Chinese. Burmese is her job, and if she doesn't do it from when they're young, it will be too late to pass the language on to them at all. It hasn't just been language either. Ms. Zhang has been very careful about passing on the culture, too. In Myanmar, she says, sons are typically put into Buddhist monasteries for a week while they are still small. This was her plan for her son, too. But the ordination ceremony into novice monkhood is expensive for families to put on. So while there are Burmese Buddhist temples here, getting the funds for the ceremonies would be a challenge. Not to mention that the Burmese and Taiwanese school years are different. She would only be able to send her son, shaven-headed to the monastery, for three days over a long weekend. The monks agreed to this compromise, understanding that circumstances are different here. Taiwan's government actually paid for the ordination ceremony in the end. The National Immigration Agency has a make-a-wish type plan for immigrants, and it grants funding to plans it deems worthwhile and feasible. Ms. Zhang, seeing how much the ceremonies would set her back, decided to apply. The result? Her eldest son, just as she dreamed when she first had him, got a taste of a typical Burmese kid's brief stint as a monk. Ms. Zhang and her fellow Burmese Taiwanese are without question fully integrated into Taiwan society, but they're also deeply proud of their roots, and with their language and culture still very much intact, they've managed to carve out a special place into a society that's becoming ever more diverse. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. When was the last time you played with a spinning top? If you're anything like me, it's probably been more than a couple years. In fact, I can't even remember the last time I held one in my hands. After all, it's a kid's toy, right? Or at least that's what I thought until last weekend when I came face to face with a massive top that I couldn't even pick up off the ground. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, we visit a little town in northern Taiwan where they've got a Guinness World Record for spinning a top almost as heavy as me. An Ear to the Ground. With a crack, the wooden top hits the ground and spins on its tip. 
It's about the size of a fist. And like almost all traditional tops in Taiwan, this one has been spun with the help of a rope, which was tightly wrapped around the base of the top. The top spinner is a man named Ahai Shi, who tossed the top forward and then quickly pulled back on the rope. We're in the town of Dashi, which is well known in Taiwan for its tops, and Ahai Shi is one of the nation's top top spinners, having gained a reputation for incorporating acrobatics into his performances. His routine involves a unicycle and lots of little props. He's got tricks up his sleeve, like the one in which he simultaneously tosses six tops, three in each hand, and then they spin on the ground all at the same time. He also has another one where he tosses a top on top of an umbrella, and then he spins the umbrella while rolling a ball along the edge at the same time. Ahai Shi has also invented a number of tops, including a hollowed-out top in which he spins another top, and another hollowed-out top with holes in the side, which makes a whirring sound as it spins. But perhaps the most notable tops in the town of Dashi are the huge tops that weigh almost as much as I do. Back in 1968, then 27-year-old Jian Wuxiong saw kids playing with tops and thought, well, if they can play with tops, why can't I too? But of course, he felt a little shy about playing with a kid's toy, so he invented a top for adults. He got someone to help him make one that weighed three kilograms. At first, no one could figure out how to make it spin, so he tossed the conundrum to a group of friends, and after a couple of days, they figured out just the way to toss it so that it would spin on its tip. Jian Wuxiong went on to create bigger tops, each larger than the one before it, and eventually he became known as Yi Dai Tuoluo Wang, or Top King of a Generation. But what really put the town of Dashi on the map was a Guinness World Record. On December 5, 2005, a man by the name of Zhang Taiyuan was recorded single-handedly spinning the world's heaviest wooden top using a rope. The top weighed over 60 kilograms, that's more than 132 pounds, and the spin lasted for 39 seconds. But how do you do that? How do you physically pick up the top and get it to spin all by yourself using nothing but a rope? Ahai Shi demonstrates. He bends over and hoists the top on one leg above the knee. And then he pauses for a moment before hurling it back to the ground in front of him on its tip in a turning motion. And before the top can topple over, he runs back away from it, pulling the rope so that it unravels and propels the huge wooden beast in a circular motion. I tried to pick up a top this big and couldn't even get it to leave the ground. Ahai Shi told me that people have gotten injured trying to get one of these tops to spin. So I think it's safe to say that this is no kid's toy. But you still have to appreciate the spirit in which these tops were created and in which they're still spun today. These massive tops from Dashi are propelled as much by childlike curiosity as they are by sheer muscle and centrifugal force. With the Near to the Ground, I'm Andrew Ryan.
pull yourself together already. It's time to feast! Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast. This is Ellen Chu. This is Andrew Ryan. Hello, hello, hello. What is happening Happy with you? Happy Halloween. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Yes. Today is October 31st. Definitely. Not only is it Halloween, it is also a full moon. Ooh. Not only is it a full moon, it is a blue moon. You know what a blue moon is? A blue moon, yes. It's when the werewolf is coming out. Full moon plus blue moon. (laughs) Uh, Accurate. Um, It is also a blue moon technically is when you have two full moons in one month. So? So we actually had a full moon on October 1st, which was the harvest moon, mm-hmm. and then a second full moon right now on October 31st. So this is the blue moon. Do you know how often there's a full moon on Halloween? Um, how rare it is? Yes. Maybe a third of a chance? Third of a chance. No. Once every 19 years. <laughs> oh, wow. So there won't be a full moon on Halloween again until 2038. My. So I have decided um, unilaterally mm-hmm. uh, that today we should be uh, doing a show about moons. Okay. Uh, and in fact, we're going to be celebrating. I found a company called Moon Lab Foods here in Taipei, uh, which makes these amazing uh, plant-based nut cheeses, mm-hmm. and they're actually going to be sharing with us a special vegan treat to wow. wrap up our whole month of vegetarian and vegan foods. Oh, we finished an entire month already, right? Yes. Every single show this month was all mm-hmm. vegan or okay. vegetarian. Okay. Yeah. Kind of exciting, right? Yes. So we're going to be checking our menu now. Yes. Let's have a little look. Okay, in our first course, we meet Stephanie and James, the team behind Moon Lab Foods, which creates delicious plant-based foods like nut cheeses. Mmm. In our second course, Stephanie prepares a bowl of vegan coconut yogurt for me to sample. Mm. In our third course... In our third and final course, we have frozen that yogurt to create a beautiful, refreshing treat for me to sample in the studio. That's right. It is currently sitting next to me. It's still a little bit um, hard because it's oh, frozen. It's frozen, right? But in a moment, once it uh, it gets the right consistency, we're going to be sampling that. Okay. And I brought some fun toppings for you, Ellen Chu. Wow. So it's kind of like going to one of the frozen yogurt stores where I could, you know, do my own topping. That's right. Ooh. That is right. Except uh, I've prepared the toppings, so uh, no choosing. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are you doing for Halloween, Ellen Chu? Um, Actually, on this particular day, uh, we will be having a Halloween festival in the school. Oh, really? Yes. At DIS. Uh-huh. Very so good. everyone's going to be dressed up in the theme of Universal Studios. Okay. A mm-hmm. uh, little product placement there. Yes. <laughs> and, well, you know, there are many, many different characters, right? What are you going as, Alan Chu? I don't know yet. I'm going to go as whatever character they pick and the mom of it. <laughs> oh, no. Goodness. So my daughter is saying that she wants to do uh, Princess Fiona. 
Okay. Oh. From Shrek. Oh, goodness. That okay. sounds like a hot costume for you. And my son was saying someone from Harry Potter. So I'm like, okay. So do you have to choose between um, either Fiona's mom or Harry Potter's mom? Uh, yeah. Either, you know, turn myself green as like Miss Frankenstein or something like that. Or you have to be a muggle. Isn't that what they call them? They call yes, normal a muggle. people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Muggle. Well, I'll just be muggle. <laughs> Much easier to dress up as. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Hey, that's a great idea. Muggle. I'm wearing my costume already. And I'll just put a label here, Muggle. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to start off our show by going into a very topical song. It's Mm -hmm. called Blue Moon. In fact, all of our songs today have something to do with the moon. This one is by Ella Fitzgerald. Let's hit it. All right, we are back now in Beast Meets West. We are coming to you from a co-working space in downtown Taipei. Uh, And I'm here with Stephanie and James, who are the partners behind Moon Lab Foods. Thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having us. I'm super excited to have both of you here um, because your company, Moon Lab Foods, makes something that I'm extremely interested in learning about, and that is a vegan coconut yogurt. But we're not going to talk about that first. I want to start off with Moon Lab Foods. Why uh, did you decide to create vegan plant-based cheeses? When we first met, we spent a number of years um, just sort of traveling around Asia and visiting different cities and searching out vegan foods and getting inspiration for something that we could bring back to Taiwan. And we'd seen that plant-based dairy products were really booming. Um, We'd already seen that in the West and we started to see it come into more Asian cities, Singapore, 
Kuala Lumpur and uh, eventually we found some vegan cheeses that we really loved in uh, Manila in the Philippines and we decided you know we could probably pull something like that off here in Taiwan. I came back to Taiwan started doing a lot of testing and it's like I fell in the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's how all good uh, you know, startup ventures begin. Uh, you kind of get into it and you, it's something you want to know more about. And, and I should explain also, Stephanie is kind of the R&D expert, the person who's uh, working in the kitchen and creating the product. So did that take a lot of playing around? What was that like? A pain. <laughs> <laughs> pain in the ooh, ooh. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> If you can imagine every day there's a new pile of um, sort of trial cheeses to taste, um, uh, you know, I, I became like the guinea pig um, and, and every day there would be successes and failures. Um, so it really, it really, like any sort of good R&D process, there was a lot of trial and error. Um, and also, you know, being in Taiwan, you have the added difficulty of, having to find some of the ingredients. Um, Taiwan, for a long time, was a notoriously difficult place to get certain imported ingredients, things that were really kind of essential in vegan cheese making. Um, and so we really had to work hard to find everything we needed or find a suitable substitute. So how hard was it, like in terms of some of the bigger failures at the beginning? Is there anything that sticks out in your mind is like, oh, that was a bad day, or that was a bad choice of things to do? <laughs> A lot, like broken blenders, oh. um, exploding, <laughs> exploded fermentation experiments, and had to clean the whole oven out. There was a lot of frustration in the process. And how long did it take before you got a cheese that you were really proud of? Probably three to six months in between. Wow, yeah. three to six months. That's yeah. a, that is a lot of time. To, what kept you going through that long period of, of time? just really wanting to nail the process and stubbornness a little bit. There's one thing I can say about Stephanie is that when she has a goal in her mind, she's a little bit like a dog with a bone and she's not going to let it go, you know? Um, so... Uh, I appreciate that non-vegan metaphor. <laughs> I remember, like, even a number of months before that, we lived in this tiny little apartment in Guting and maybe even the year before, and she was like making these yellow concoctions on the stove and um you know trying to use uh you know some some vegan cheese products still do this but trying to use like agar agar as like the coagulant for yeah, the yeah. for the vegan cheese and it just made it like it was this cheese flavored jelly oh. in the fridge and it was just you know like at the time maybe that was you thought that was the best you could do yeah. and you thought it was kind of awesome but now looking back at that it's like no no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, sometimes you, when you're actually, you know, doing the R&D, that's a very sp specific amount of time once you've decided that you want to create the product. But before that, like, it's probably been germinating for a long time, like since you came back from your trip, I'm guessing. Yeah, you know, like it's um, like it's maybe it just starts off as kind of like a little bit of a hobby, a little bit of experimentation. And then you when the idea starts to germinate and refine you're like well actually maybe there there is something here and mm -hmm. that's the direction you keep going in um like uh like with any startup you know you you pivot it's the rubbish oh, truck no. going past <laughs> everything you're saying not rubbish <laughs> i mean that's just part of being on the radio in taiwan right that always happens yep it's always a scooter or a trash truck or 
Yeah, we appreciate their uh, services for sure. Yeah, and there it stopped. Um, do you remember a specific moment where you created something you're like, that is excellent. Like this, this could happen. This could work. I think it's when I stopped playing with the goop stuff and started fermenting with nuts. That's when I knew that this is the right direction. To give a little bit more context to the goop, I mean, I think that was um, like a soy-based concoction. Um, and, you know, a lot of vegan cheeses still go in that direction, especially if you're making like a, a, a melting style, yeah. you know, mozzarella substitute um raclette yeah uh and you know they're just not that good um but i think the the moment was when you start looking at like the really refined um nut-based cheeses that you know their purpose is not to be a a a cheese substitute in your mac and cheese or on top of your pizza but to be enjoyed on its own like a a high-end product it's Mm -hmm. and that that's how we expect um people enjoy it as well uh, with crackers and wine on, on a spread to give people that experience yeah this is not a supporting actor this is the star of its own show yeah yeah definitely i mean we've we've had people come to us and want to include it on cheese boards um but but i think really it's a, it's a standout kind of thing in its own right that's great to have a product that's that is the star of the show the time when it was when it really was nailed uh, i think um was when there was a a beautiful wheel of cheese and I tasted it and immediately my senses went back to when I was a child and my parents were feeding me, you know, this fine Dutch Edam and it hit those same notes and I knew that that was the, the magic one. I want to talk for just a little bit uh, about the name of the company, Moon Lab Foods. That's a cool name. Who came up with that? They're pointing at each other. Let the record show. <laughs> it was kind of both of us. Um, you, you know um, that movie Wallace and Gromit? Yes. Where the moon is made out of cheese? Yes. Really random, but that's where it came from. Um, and then we found a cool backstory to like retcon into that, which is that, um, you know, there, there's a legend that the moon is made out of cheese and... Um, uh, a fox by a lake tries to eat it or something I don't actually remember it but it sounded pretty cool at the time We're like yeah moon cheese we'll go with that mm-hmm. um, and that was our original name was was moon cheese and then uh, after we decided to diversify into other plant-based food products we decided that we're now a lab mm. we're a moon lab well I love the name because this also suggests you have more things going on here than just cheese uh, and in just a moment when we go into our second course uh we're going to be stepping into the kitchen and you're going to be putting together a cup of one of your newest products yes our coconut yogurt well i'm looking very much forward to that but we're going to uh, pause for a song and we'll see you back in just a moment when the piece continues and this song that you're listening to now is called moonlight memorandum by lu guangzhong or crowd lu Shiyang 
随着节奏摆动。我不是阳光，也不是风，为什么能够获得自由？真实是你的手握住我的躯壳，月光保护我们随着节奏摆动。危险时候。纵容我，你不会走，安静的拥抱我。真实是你的手握住我的躯壳，月光保护我们随着节奏摆动。From a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei, the people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Second course. Okay, we are back now on the second course of today's Feast Meets West, and we're now standing in a little kitchen at this co-working space. And uh, James was just telling me he thinks that this uh, vegan coconut cream yogurt is actually now one of the standout products of Moon Lab Foods. Yeah, that's right. I mean,、um, when we started、uh, doing the yogurt, you know, we were sort of looking for a product that was Um, a little bit more versatile that people could pick up as part of their daily grocery run,、um, and that would sort of be, and not just a special occasion product like the cheese, but like an everyday kind of、uh, breakfast substitute. And we'd seen coconut yogurts take off、um, abroad when we went back to New Zealand, and、um, when we travelled to the US, you see there's many, many varieties available, and there's there's been nothing like that in Taiwan、uh, until now. Well, I'm super excited.、Um, I will admit that I do make my own yogurt at home、uh, from time to time, but I've never been able to create a、uh, vegan yogurt.、Uh, now, the sounds you hear in the background there is Stephanie is actually 
plating up a nice yogurt cup there. Um, so she's got a, a beautiful glass sitting on a plate with a little bit of uh, creamy white yogurt in the base. And what are you doing now? I'm adding some granola and then I'll be adding some blueberries, just random bits and pieces that goes with the coconut yogurt. Actually, any granola goes well with the coconut yogurt. And then you add some berries or you could add your favorite fruit, it could be apples and bananas. Oh, she's putting some little flowers in there. What are you doing with that? Oh, it's just me trying to be fancy. <laughs> I love it. These the micro, what do we call these? Micro flowers? Yeah, micro flowers, <laughs> edible flowers. <laughs> so now I've plated it. All right, now that's it's gorgeous. All right, she's just placing it up on the counter. And uh, I feel bad, Ellen Chu, you're not going to be able to try this until the third course. But I can I take a bite? Yes. It's okay? Ahead. All right. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to try the yogurt by itself first. Oh, my God. Mmm. That's delicious. It's, it's got this beautiful coconut taste to it. But then it's got all of the that tart flavor that you love from a good yogurt, mm -hmm. and it's creamy. I can't. I guess I can't believe how creamy it is. Okay, I'm now going to try it with other things. Hmm. That's amazing. I have to know now that I've sampled it. How do you make coconut cream yogurt? Well. <laughs> Thanks, Steffi. Um, the, <laughs> she pointed at him. <laughs> well, the, the, the process is not that much different to any dairy yogurt, really. I mean, and I think that's kind of been the trick with a lot of our uh, products and trying to have them as accurately represent their original version as possible is to keep the process as simple and the same as, as possible as well. Um, so with this, we take a really um, simple and sort of non-refined, pure, no additive um, coconut cream. We add the vegan probiotic to it, which is just like a regular yogurt probiotic, but um, instead of being derived from milk, it's derived from uh, plant-based sources. It has to ferment, and that's usually an overnight process. And you can do that with a, a number of different bases, whether it's soy or uh, other kinds of milk. You, you know, you can add a little bit of sugar and they'll ferment as well um, into a yogurt. And they all have their own unique uh, properties. But for us, the, the coconut gives it, like you say, that really creamy, really nice, smooth finish. Mm. And it's a beautiful flavor for breakfast. Like, slightly unexpected because I don't always have coconut early in the morning. But I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. What about the... The nutritional content, how does it compare to dairy-based yogurts? Well, the nutrition really um, comes mainly from the base. So um, being coconut-based, it's um, obviously it's got no cholesterol. Um, it does have a, a relatively high fat content. Um, we think they are healthy fats um, from a coconut. Um, there is less protein than you would get in a dairy yogurt, but you still get all that good healthy gut probiotics. Mm, that's great. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with James and Stephanie, the masterminds behind Moon Lab Foods. Thank you. Thank you. This is a song called or The Moon is Round and the Flowers Are Good. It's a nice evening. It's by Zhang Yu. Back in a moment.
明月照人来，团圆美满，今朝醉，清酒池塘，鸳鸯戏。Listening to Feast Meets West. Listen, are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Okay, Tao Jing, get on with it. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Third course. Okay, Miss Chu. Okay, so I'm ready for my frozen yogurt. Ooh. That's right. We've taken this、uh, plant-based vegan coconut yogurt and、mm. we've frozen it. Hmm. And I put it in a little bowl for Ellen Chu. And he was just like drilling all the frozen yogurt out. <laughs> drilling it out. That's right, because、mm. it's a little hard. Still,、mm, it's、And、good. So, do you know what's in here? Can you taste everything? Yes.、Mm. Wheat, oat, and that's just granola, Ellen. Chu. Okay. Blueberry.、Mm、hmm. And that nut is called the macadamia. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And there's also some cashews. Okay. And something sweet in there, Ellen Chu. What's the sweetness? Hmm, honey. Nope. Maple syrup. Maple、oh. syrup. Okay. That's right, because、uh, honey is not vegan. Oh. But really, maple, maple syrup is right.、Okay. Honey's made by bees. Is it sweet enough for you? Do you need a little bit more?、Uh, This is fine for me. So, what do you have to say? What do you think? The flavors, the tastes, the textures. It's so good. I love it. I love coconut yogurt. Mmm. Better than regular yogurt. Do you? Mm-hmm. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Oh, so that whole jar. That whole jar that I just yeah, opened up there. Yeah, nice. Shila yogurt. Okay. So it's like a Greek yogurt,、mm-hmm. but made with 100% fat、oh. uh, coconut milk. Wow. But is this like high in calorie? Um, it's probably not low in calories, but it's、uh-huh. uh, got some good fat in there for you, and it's got some、um, good nutrition. Uh, probiotics, of course, to help、mm-hmm. you with your digestion.、Mm, which I really going、need. in for seconds there. It's good.、Mm. Love it. I love it too. Actually,、yeah. the maple syrup goes really well with it. I wasn't too sure about that. I think the maple syrup is a perfect match, and also with the blueberries. Mmm,、mm, yummy. You want some more? Yes, I want some more. Right. Okay, we're going to go into our, our、uh, addresses first, though. Are you guys ready? Okay, so it's PO Box one two three dash one nine nine Taipei Taiwan. Email us at a n d r o o at r t i dot o r g dot t w. And next Saturday on our feast, join us for a look at something very interesting. Definitely, always. 
<laughs> so before we go today, one final song. Mm-hmm. And it's called Blue Moon. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It's by Beck. We've got two songs. I can't believe I found two songs that have uh, Blue Moon as the title. Uh-huh. Uh, but this is a great way to leave you today because it is a blue moon. And today is a perfect day. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, happy Halloween. And you too. And for Feast Me Sust, I'm Andrew Ryan. This is Ellen Chu. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm so tired of being alone This penitent while so all I've known Songbird calling Across the water Side by Ryan and Ellen Chu as they sample their way through Taiwan's culinary delights. Andrew, I thought we said no more intestines. <clears throat> That's on Feast Meets West every Saturday, only on Radio Taiwan International, radio for refined palates. This is Radio Taiwan International.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.